Greetings in Christ Jesus, and welcome once again to the Twin Steeples Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Joe Nauman, joined again today by Pastor Neil Radical. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church here in Mankato, Minnesota, whose main goals are to share God's saving word with you and to communicate the ongoing activity of Christ's kingdom here at Emmanuel. How are you today, Pastor? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Uh, getting revved up, ready for Holy Week here. It's coming up soon. It's kind of the highlight of the the year for for us pastors so uh how are you i'm i'm, do, I'm excited as well we're looking forward to talking about some of the different things we're going to try this year and keep keep it in front of all of our faces as much as possible right what the lord had in front of his face for us sounds good so in connection with that idea i thought today for our devotion we could meditate on a couple verses that we talked briefly about in our worship service this last weekend from psalm 22 um, you mentioned a little bit in the service that Psalm 22 is its almost a, like a first-person account of Christ's experience uh, as he is uh, uh, suffering uh, on Good Friday, going to the cross for us and, and suffering for us. So I, I just highlighted three verses I thought we could read today. Maybe we could comment on them a little bit. Um, so as you mentioned on Sunday, this is like a, it's a first-person uh, uh, account. So when he says I or me or, or uh, myself, we should be thinking about Jesus speaking here, really, and then and it's amazing how how on point this prophecy is of Psalm 22, um, speaking from Jesus's perspective. So we'll read: For dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me; they pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing. They cast lots. This is amazing to me that this was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified. Um, you look at the 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 last day of Jesus's life, how the the congregation of the wicked came around him, and you know you can imagine uh, the the oh, I imagine the the feelings Jesus had as he was surrounded by these Jewish people that he loved so much, and as they were pumping their fists and shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And uh, as the, the mobs whom Jesus was dying for uh, uh, gathered around him and beat him and mocked him and punched him and, you know, all these, all these pains that Jesus was suffering for these very people, um, they gathered dogs surrounding him and wicked enclosing him. And then even uh, mentioning specifically his hands and his feet being pierced, you know, the, the, method of death for Jesus crucifixion was uh, one of the, the worst ways to die that has ever been come up by man uh, for the torture and death punishment of other men. Um, yet it, it had not been invented back in the, the days of the psalmist. Um, it's not something that was came up, came up with until much later. And for that to be mentioned here that they pierced his hands and his feet, you know, this was something that was, was purely and clearly a divine uh, divine prophecy that Jesus would have his hands and his feet pierced because they hadn't invented crucifixion yet. It was something that came later. Um, and yet here we see this prophecy in Psalm 22, hundreds of years before, before Christ again. And again, uh, mentioning the division of his garments and his clothing, having lots cast for um, this prophecy, is just so on point and so uh, specific that you, it's almost mind boggling you almost expect this to be in the New Testament uh, rather than foretelling of the Old Testament. But I think 
kind of the, the key phrase I want to, I want to focus on is that middle, they look and stare at me um, from verse 17 there, verse 17 there, they look and stare at me, you know, uh, the cross of Christ, no doubt has been one of the most studied uh, shapes in human history. Uh, since he died on the cross, crosses have been put all over the world um, in churches at our, in our homes, around our necks. Um, the, the cross is one of the most recognizable symbols in the world, if not the most recognizable symbol in the world. Um, and that's because people stop, they look and they stare. And that's, that's, that's part of the purpose of Jesus's cross is to, to recognize the, the brutality, the horribleness, the awfulness that was necessary for the payment of sins. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That's why he was surrounded by the wicked. That's why his hands and feet were pierced. That's why they divided his garments so that Jesus could be completely humiliated and humbled as the incarnation of sin um, so that he could suffer the punishment of sins on the cross for us. And by doing that, he won salvation for us. And so that's the, the other reason why we stare, not only because of the, the brutality and the horribleness of that, that event that took place on the cross, but and the complete unfairness and innocence of the one who, who took that suffering, but also because it is through that, through that suffering that now we have eternal life. And that's why we continue to stare at that cross and we make our focus the work of Christ uh, during you know, every Lenten season, you know, every, think about that every year we take six, seven weeks and we focus on how Jesus suffered and died. And you might think, well, that's a little bit overkill, but it's not, you know, and that, that's a, that's a focus, not just for those four weeks, for those six, six, seven weeks, but for our entire, uh, our entire earthly lives is the, the suffering of Christ, because that's where we see his love first and foremost made manifest. That's where he shows his love most clearly. Jesus said, Greater love is known than this, that he laid on his life for his friends. You know, that's why we stare at the cross, because that's where our best friend of all gave himself up completely to the wicked, uh, allowing himself to be to be suffer that eternal punishment of hell. And that's why we still stare at the cross. And that's why that's our that's our focus. Any other concluding thoughts on that section from the psalm there? I'm really glad you focus in on that phrase, because every one of these phrases makes you think about so many different sections from scripture. I don't know if you're like me, but it seems like you and I have gone through so I mentioned a little bit this weekend, Psalm 22. It seems like we've been doing that every week, but every week we get a chance to do it. It really pulls in so much of what's going on or focusing on during this Holy Week. And uh, the fact that you're pointing to that phrase does remind me of the text the Lord kind of laid on our hearts this weekend with, you know, looking at that sacrifice with the high priest is willing to do for us and stare at that altar, which is bare now, which used to not ever be bare every single day, which Christ has done for us once and for all through his sacrifice. The one thing that made me think of when you were recounting that grace and mercy of Christ so well with this section is, you know, up until this point in time, people were looking and staring at Jesus to perform a miracle, to perform a sign. And so many times in those three years in ministry, actually about every time in his ministry, that's exactly what he did. He healed everyone, it says, when he went to villages. He performed all these miracles. People stared at him because he was going to do something. You know, before Herod, Herod wanted to see that, you know, that good Friday morning, but Jesus would not do anything there. And here again on the cross, they were watching him. Is he going to perform another miracle or not? Here's your chance to prove it to us, Jesus. And so they were staring in vain because he was at that point not going to get down from the cross and complete his work for us. And I, I just think that's a, a really neat 
thing to think about that they were staring at him to do something because he'd always done something before and they were missing that he was doing something right in front of them. He was taking away their sins. He was dying for the sins of the entire world of all time. And they were, they were missing it because they were looking at it in unbelief. So I really, I'm really glad he pointed out that phrase. It, it means a lot to me. Um, so I, I like, I like the fulfillment of the prophecies in here too. And all this again, thousand, a thousand years before it all took place. So impressive. So amazing. Only God could ar- arrange such a writing that far in advance. Pretty impressive. Yeah, I like what you kind of detail there. You know, uh, Paul says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And, you know, just because the cross is one of the most recognized uh, uh, symbols, the most recognized symbol in the world, doesn't mean that it doesn't mean anything to so many people. Or it doesn't mean what it should mean to so many people. What we know from uh, from Paul is that though that cross is foolishness to, to many, to you and I, to the, the believer, it is life and salvation, and that's why we continue to stare at it, and that's why uh, the work of Jesus Christ continues to be our focus. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank and bless you for the work of your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to that cross and for allowing yourself to be surrounded by the wicked and pierced through your hands and feet and, and to die on the cross for us. O Holy Spirit, use this important message to work faith in our hearts. Bless us through your word and continue to bless us as we focus on the work of Jesus during this Lenten season as we look forward to that wonderful day of Easter when he is raised from the dead and assures us of our resurrection as well. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, can I make a quick comment? You're probably not going to like it because it's a little bit of praise. I'm really glad you started uh, this podcast because I've been hearing more members comment about how much it means to them to recap and do this Bible study. And it's you and I don't get a chance to work together on a ton of stuff it's nice to be able to recap all the things that are happening each week and then to do this the study together it's really refreshing so i appreciate that you started this podcast and i know it means a lot to me um, and so many of our members so it's it's neat you know we've been like you said last time we've been doing this for over a year now and uh time flies when you're having fun so i really appreciate it it's good thank you well to god the glory and to you listeners out there if it if the podcast is helpful to you share it with your fellow members and share it with your family and uh, let them know it's something that they can use too for their, their own personal edification. Okay. uh, A couple weekly updates, reminders here. Uh, Last week we had the manual tour choir from Eau Claire come and visit. So thank you once again to them for their visit. It was a wonderful uh, uh, service of song and praise to the Lord. Um, They, they wore the masks and they, they powered through it. And I thought they did a wonderful job. Couldn't hardly tell the difference um, with or without masks. It was very, very well done. Um, uh, coming up this evening, uh, today is Wednesday, March 24th, uh, our Lenten series concludes. It'll be the final of our midweek Lenten services uh, before next week. Uh, of course, we have Holy Week. Um, so, Pastor, you will be preaching uh, tomorrow, uh, t- this evening. Would you like to introduce this idea for us? Sure. We're going to be looking at Luke 22. We're talking about Peter's denial of Jesus after the events of the garden of Gethsemane and then looking into his declaring of his love for his Lord when he failed to declare it earlier. And so we'll be looking at how that is in comparison with Jesus denying and declaring things about us as well, which is going to be very important for us to listen to. So hope you can attend in person or online. Awesome. Looking forward to that. Um, As we mentioned earlier, next week is Holy Week, starting with 
uh, Palm Sunday this coming Saturday and Sunday. Our Palm Sunday service will take place. That'd be March 27th and 28th. Next week is Holy Week, and this week, this year, we have a little bit of a different plan for Holy Week. Uh, Pastor Radicals heading that up. Pastor, you want to describe for us a little bit what the plan is next week for Holy Week? Probably the easiest way to describe it would be just like we have our harmony during the season of Lent, focusing on Jesus' passion. We're going to be handing out a harmony that you can keep. You can put in your church mailboxes or just pick one up when you come into the service or, you know, look at it online if you are at home. And basically that'll detail the, the best way we can go about it in the sense of how do we understand what happened each day. So this is our best attempt to summarize the four gospels of what took place in each day of that most important week for us. And then ultimately, there's so much that's said each day. We're going to try to go through those readings. So one thing we're doing a little bit differently this year is we're adding in three more services. It sounds like a lot, but they're pretty much shorter services. And for this year, because of COVID restrictions, uh, we want to do it to help the school kids as well. So we're hopefully to have, we're planning on having a live stream during chapel time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So our Saturday, Sunday services, Pastor Nauman is up here this weekend, Palm Sunday. He's gonna be reading the detailed events from Saturday and Sunday for both services, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll be heading up the chapels. Again, abbreviated, short services, couple hymns, scripture reading, little devotion and prayer for Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday Wednesday, chapel time, 9.50 in the morning, live streamed. And then Monday, Thursday, with the Lord's Supper, that'll be six o'clock in person or live stream. Pastor now will be heading that up. And then Good Friday also, Friday evening, 6 p.m. in person live stream. Saturday and Sunday, we'll be closing down the Holy Week with reading both the Saturday and Sunday events of what happened that day. And Pastor now and I will be doing some services together for that Easter Sunday morning. So we're looking forward to a lot of wonderful opportunities that just because you can't be there in person Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you should be able to either tune in on live stream or watch them later that evening and get a really good recap of all the lessons and important teachings that Jesus gave to his disciples and to us throughout this important week. It's actually the, the most recorded week of Jesus' life, hands down by far. Over 20, I think at one point I looked it up, there's like 20 to 25 chapters in the, in the harmony of the Gospels that this covers. So by far the most recap of Jesus' uh, earthly life. Well, and I think that makes sense, right? Because it's the final week of Jesus' life that 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 work of Jesus really comes into focus. And if you look through some of the gospels, you know, I think John starts Holy Week in what chapter twelve or something like that. And yeah, so it's a uh, uh, most of the gospels focus on that final week of Jesus. Good. Um, so if you have any questions about that, get a hold of us or um, there's some announcements in the bulletin about what's going to be going on in Holy Week too. So please make use of all the, the work that's being done there uh, to uh, uh, strengthen and edify your meditation on uh, Jesus' suffering and death next week as we go through Holy Week. A uh, couple announcements regarding the teacher calls. Um, as you know, we had calls out to Mr. Eric Libby and Mr. Kevin Schrader for our two open high school positions. Uh, we have heard back from Mr. Kevin Schrader, who has accepted the call. So we praise the Lord for that. He is planning on coming and moving here this summer, and uh, he'll begin his work uh, here among us uh, this summer and into next school year in the math, high school math and science position. So uh, we thank the Lord uh, for answering our prayers there and for sending Mr. Schrader to us. He and his wife, Rebecca, will be moving here this summer. So praise the Lord for that. Also, this past weekend, Mr. Matthew Kranz announced that he has returned the call to uh, Emanuel Winter Haven, Florida, which is uh, down in, uh, uh, well, kind of a daughter congregation of ours. And um, so we pray the Lord would uh, ask, answer their 
uh, prayers for a teacher at some point and allow that vacancy to be filled for them. Um, and we're also very grateful. The Lord has led Mr. Kranz to stick around here and uh, pray he continues to be a blessing for us as well. We still keep Mr. Eric Libby in our prayers as he considers his uh, the other high school call as well. And we wait uh, for his announcement regarding that. On our prayer list this week, uh, it's much of the same. We continue to pray for Tony Schaumann, who is uh, uh, recovering from that car accident. Uh, he had some knee surgeries a few weeks ago there. Uh, so we pray the Lord give him healing. Also pray for uh, Mr. Dave Bussey, who had rotator cuff surgery here a couple weeks ago. Uh, pray the Lord would, would give him healing and allow that rehab to re return him to full strength. We also pray for Max Bodie and his wife, uh, Max has been deployed. Uh, his wife is still here in the States. So we pray the Lord would uh, bless them and, and allow Max to, to be safe through his time and deployment and return home safely as well. We pray for Marie Meyer. Uh, that'd be the sister of Grace Schreier, a member of our sister congregation over in Red Wing who's dealing with cancer. Pray the Lord would bless her uh, and the treatments there. And finally, we pray for Lori Bren. This would be Carla Omanson's sister who's also dealing with brain cancer. Uh, we pray that uh, the treatment she has uh, would help her to... Uh, uh, be healed according to God's will as well. Uh, as far as our doctrine of the day today, uh, we're dealing with a familiar one, most likely, but also one that's caused quite a bit of grief in the history of the Christian church. Um, this is the doctrine of the Trinity. Any introductory thoughts you'd like to throw our way here regarding the doctrine of the Trinity, Pastor? Yeah, I believe you are right on with saying the grief it has caused in the history of the Holy Christian Church. Maybe we don't think it would be so much today, but actually still has many false roots still pres present and accountable for today. You know, part of the, partly we think of the Apostles' Creed, we say most Sundays, was written in the early third century. And so we can think about how and why that came about. And it was in question about the deity of Christ. And ultimately, is he is the God triune or not? So that whole point of it being early on in church history, it also continues today. And you see a lot of different groups as well that don't, of course, Jews that deny Christ would not believe in the Trinity in that regard with Jesus, the man being a part of that triune God. There's a lot of Lutheran churches, including the ELCA, that does not, that allows different beliefs about who Jesus is and that Trinity as well. And then many other groups, whether it be Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, have a variety of different opinions on the Christ and Jesus as a man and how he got to be like God or true God. And it can be very alarming when you study those things a little bit more. So when we look at the Trinity, we're looking at what does the Bible say about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Are they one God? Are they all equal? Are they all eternal? And that's where other creeds, not just the Apostles' Creed, but the Athanasian Creed, for example, goes very much into detail about who Jesus is, how he's a part of the triune God, and how that Trinity works together as one, because they are one. And that's beyond what our human reason can understand. So I think it's important for us to reflect on this. And, you know, when we teach confirmation or adult instruction class, we do spend quite a bit of time on the Trinity because that is a lot of the bedrock and the cornerstone to our faith, believing that Jesus is true God from eternity and assumed our flesh to do what we've been talking about today, taking away that sin on the cross as a full and final payment once and for all that we can rejoice in. So as far as the Trinity is concerned, where do you think that it 
where do you think the, the cause for stumbling would be among us today or among Christendom today? Well, I think uh, here's a fun game that we could kind of play and I'll, uh, I'll, we'll see how it goes. And I think this will kind of illustrate your point here. I will come up with an analogy to help describe the Trinity and maybe you could poke holes in that analogy. Okay. <laughs> you want to do this? Sure. So the Trinity is kind of like a three leaf clover. So there's three petals on a clover, and yet there's only one clover, three in one. I like the idea that it's one clover, but the problem is that you can, when I was a kid, I used to pull the leaves off the clover so you could separate them, and that's not something you could do with the Trinity. You can't separate one from the rest of the three. So that would be one one problem I would see with that illustration, or one concern you could have. It might be helpful for a child, but you don't want to get, get into that separation idea there do you have other thoughts with that illustration that you poke holes in well i think i think the essence of the the clover is the same right so every single one of the the petals even though they're even though they're three distinct petals are the same material right so oh, that's god that's the it. father god the son and god the spirit are different persons um even though uh the three three yeah even though they are still one god uh here's another one ready so the trinity is like an egg so there's the yolk, there's the white, and there's the shell. So three parts, one, uh, one egg. Well, I think that's interesting because the one you just used, the clover, you know, we talk about that being the same material. Someone would argue, well, that material is different. So maybe that one would be a better illustration to use. But again, I think when you're using that egg, those three parts are so different that they don't, that they don't, they don't seem like they work together in the same way. So you might say the one, you know, we separate those things all the time. And I think that's one of the big challenges that you have trying to get your head around any of these illustrations is that, you know, I can separate the egg from the other two and I can, I can change that. And then the other process too, is that you think about, and maybe you're going to use the egg into the apple. And I think those two are very similar that are used, but again, you can separate those parts. You can peel an apple, you can separate the the shell from the egg and even though they might be different materials they're still one and the same that are inseparable that's why i like that that word that is used in their confessions that they are inseparable and in, in what they are as a unit one god here's another one so the trinity is like water so water in in a room temperature exists as a water liquid but if you put it in a freezer, it turns into ice. But if you put, if you warm it up a lot, if you boil it, it turns into uh, uh, vapor. So the Trinity is like water. Yeah, I think the problem I have with that one, or the concern I have with that one, is that you just mentioned when you do different things to it, it takes different forms. And you know, the time element of that is that okay, that can be used in trying to describe. Well, Jesus took on our flesh so at that point in time he changed his form that's not what the word of god says he he assumed our flesh but he still remained true fully god at the same point in time so yeah again the challenge of that is that we're limited in saying okay each one of these forms is because of how it functions or the time that's placed on it too Hey, so this is fun for you. I'm going to ask you one. <laughs> How about, I like this one uh, also, and I use this one once in a while. One times one times one equals one. 
So where that would checks you... out? <laughs> Good. Did you get your calculator out for that? <laughs> <laughs> so you see any potential holes in that one as well? Or one. Okay. One times one times one. Yeah, equals one. I don't see, I guess I don't see the I don't see the the trinity part? No. Well, you have three numbers, but each one is individual from the other ones, but the whole problem has it's very similar to when they use the word god. There's three letters, G O D. Each letter is distinct, but those three letters also equal that three-letter word. And so I look at the math. What I like about the math one is it's absolute. You can't change one of those numbers. You change the whole prob the whole the whole problem. But again, if you're looking at that as separating one from another, then it's a whole different thing. Same thing with the word God. I think all of these can't. You know, we're trying to. I think the point of this fun exercise is that you, you you try to put God into like this illustration. And it always falls short one way or another, and that's it is a fun exercise it can be helpful to kind of get a, a concept of God, but I think everything we try to do to explain it always comes up in one way or another short in some way. Yeah. I think that's kind of the point I was just trying to make there is, yeah, we have all these analogies and all these things we can kind of think of, but they all do fall short and we won't truly be able to understand the Trinity until we see the Trinity face to face and God willing in heaven will, maybe he will give us understanding of that. So it reminds the Bible me says we will, we will know even as we are known. So hopefully we'll understand God a little better once we get there. It, it kind of reminds me of all the different names of God. He's got all these different names that we try to, that he gives himself you know, descriptions about himself. And yet they all still, you take them all together and they still somewhat fall short of really explaining, like you just said, his full power and glory and wisdom and might and love. It just, they help us try to understand a little bit better, but like you said so well, it's not going to happen until we get there. All right. Uh, would you care to read our hymn of the day for us, Pastor? Yeah. Growing up, we would often sing up in Fridley, Minnesota, this hymn 244, especially during the Trinity season, this hymn that describes the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then basically giving him glory and praise for who he is. So it says, glory be to God the Father. That's the hymn 244. Glory be to God the Father, glory be to God the Son, glory be to God the Spirit, great Jehovah, three in one. Glory, glory, while eternal ages run. Glory be to him who loved us, washed us from each spot and stain. Glory be to him who bought us, made us kings with him to reign. Glory, glory to the Lamb that once was slain. Glory to the King of angels, glory to the church's king. Glory to the King of nations, heaven and earth, your praises bring. Glory, glory to the King of glory, sing. Glory, blessing, praise eternal, thus the choir of angels sing. Honor, riches, power, dominion, thus its praise creation brings. Glory, glory, glory to the King of kings. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the Twin Steeples podcast. Twin Steeples is a production of Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church in Mankato, Minnesota. Until next time, may God bless and keep you, and may you always remember, Emmanuel, God is with you.